1: erstwhile monk-turned-travelling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favoured children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
2: You have approximately... Five minutes left until losing consciousness.
1: I ran from the Crow back in Protus. I ran into a random house in some random street and hid for a couple of days. There was food and water for weeks, so I just chilled out, kept the curtains closed. The house still had power, so I charged my Game Boy, and tried to charge my phone. It's not working for some reason. I just stayed there. I sketched a lot. I love drawing. Now that I'm seeing the world, there's so much I want to try and capture. I drew the things I saw the last couple of days. All the crazy things. I also played some TOS, of course. I'd abandoned my save game for a long time, but my character was still there. I roamed the region I found before leaving Corvat. No sign of Kevin26, though. I wonder if he's still playing. I'd love to talk to him again. Anyway, after spending a couple of days eating, sleeping, showering, and relaxing, I decided it was safe and got out of town. As I got to the edge of town, I had to find my way through the green slime, but I managed without getting stuck. And I didn't even see Jonathan or Mr. Crow. When I got to a road, I just kept walking hoping someone would pass by before I ran out of water. After about 20 minutes, a minivan pulled up. A bunch of kids had just stocked up on supplies were on their way back to the party. I had no idea what the party was, but they asked me if I needed a ride there, and I just said yes. I wanted to leave Protus far behind me. So I jumped in, and we drove for a couple of hours and then hiked through the forest. As we walked through the forest, I could hear the music coming closer. I was starting to feel nervous. Were we headed towards the festival Jonathan talked about? The one that left all the green slime behind? Luckily, we weren't.
2: you have approximately four minutes left until your dexterity starts to fade. And three minutes until you lose consciousness.
1: So, I, uh, I'm at a party? It's a really cool party, actually. It's in the middle of the forest. For starters, I've never been to a forest. I've seen them, obviously. But growing up in a small desert town, I never actually stood inside one. Feels good. I love it. Feels like I've made it to where things are alive. In the middle of the forest, there was this open field. And In the middle of the field, there's a kind of ruin. I don't know what it was, but there's a, a crumbling structure like a stone house or a small church or something. The roof is gone Ivy is climbing all the walls. 50 or 60 kids made this bonfire in the middle of the main hall and there's a bunch of generators so a DJ can play techno music or whatever this is. It's maybe a hundred kegs of beer, not even exaggerating. So much cheap beer. These kids could party for months without getting thirsty.
2: The nerves controlling your left extremities are not responding anymore. You have approximately two minutes left until you pass out. We
1: walked into an open field in the middle of the forest and there it was, the party in the old ruin. Everybody was going crazy. And also, everybody was a bit young. I mean, compared to me. I always felt like I hadn't really changed from the moment I turned 18. I still kind of felt like that same kid. I thought growing up and being an adult was a matter of play acting. But standing between kids, 18, 19, maybe 20 years old, showed me how old I got. These humans are only part grown up. The adult version of themselves is shining through but they're also still very much children. Anyway, I hung out with them, looking like a nerd in my weird clothes, with my big backpack, but I'm used to that. I drank some beer and even danced a little bit. It was a good time. Then I met this friendly girl. She's called Casey. Oh, sorry, I meant they're called Casey. I thought they were a girl, but they told me about being non-binary. So anyway, they played TOS like me and we chatted about the game, about the parts of the world we'd discovered. And they told me about meeting some guy named Alex, really connecting with him. I told them about Kevin 26. It sounded like they hoped to meet Alex in real life, but hadn't worked up the nerve to ask him yet. So for now, they're just playing the game together. We were sitting all the way at the edge of the field, leaning against the trees. We're just chilling out, observing the kids. made me think of Kim, how we would sit all the way on the other side of the parking lot and look at the customers going in and out of BBU. I finished my beer, and my new friend pulled out this flask. It was a fancy-looking flask. There were all these symbols engraved in the silver, something that looked like a snake with a big apple in its mouth, and a hand with the fingers stretched out unnaturally far with a number 5 underneath. Do you want a sip of something stronger, they asked. And I was like, sure, you know, why not? We were having a good time together. So I took a big drink, and it burned in my throat. It felt good. But then I gave the flask back to them, and they looked at me all guilty. They put it away without taking a drink themselves. Sorry, they said. There was no other way for me. Don't try to get up. Your legs won't work.
2: You have 20 seconds left until you pass out.
1: Suddenly, I notice the mark on their face, or their neck, actually. Three red dots, like red fingerprints. You can feel the numbness, sleepiness spreading. It starts in my gut and it spreads like wings of sleep, like petals. It opens up like a flower of, I don't know, tiredness or whatever. I try to say something to them, but they get up and just smile at me. They say that I carry the mark and that the gardener can see me wherever I go. The gardener is sending his number one soldier, they say. He's on his way to the party right now. I'm really sorry. I was just supposed to give you a drink, that's all. Then they just walk back to the party, as if we had a nice conversation and went our separate ways. As number one soldier, I think to myself, as I involuntarily lean against a tree trunk, watch my so-called friend walk back to the ruin, where the fire dances in orange and red against the brick walls hands and heads are swaying. Free. I feel so far removed. So far removed from...
2: You have lost consciousness and all control over your body. Congratulations. Who are you? Me? What do you mean? I'm you. I am the part of you that you use to wait for a beep and flip a burger while you travel your mind. I'm what you keep referring to as the lizard brain. Unbelievably condescending name, by the way. Disregarding what is old as being primitive, it hurts my feelings. I am the core of your consciousness. I am the voice of what remains if everything else is frozen in time or deleted. I am the foundation you've been gifted by the universe, upon which you get to build a personality. I deserve a more fitting name than Lizard. Why do you sound like a British woman? Why do you ignore my many warnings that you've been poisoned, that your system is being overrun? Why do you just sit there and wait? What could I have done? Oh, there it is again. Your strongest reflex, your coping mechanism. Just for the record, it didn't come from me. It was never part of my constitution. If we frame your personality with the oversimplistic nature nature-versus-nurture paradigm, this coping mechanism is definitely nurture. I know because I am the nature part, sort of. I have a coping mechanism? Yes, your uncanny talent to distance yourself from any responsibility over your life. It's the town you were born in, Oh, the job you were given, the way your parents treated you. It's the system as a whole. Grow up, will you? Own your life, exert control. Evolution is a ruthless experiment, my friend. I know, because I'm a direct product of millions of years of ruthlessness, of pain and death. And in this ruthless process, Anyone who decides to freeze up and stand in the corner is quickly pushed further back to make room for more assertive beings.
1: What are you telling me?
2: That you should take action. Try to jam your fingers in your mouth and throw up. Punch that kid in the face until they tell you what exactly was in the drink. Do something! Do something!
1: I am doing something. I've left Korvat. I'm going after Kim. I'm going to make it right. I'm gonna beat her father to Naraka City.
2: Are you really doing any of those things? Really?
1: Beating her father to the city? Well, uh, I got delayed, that's all. (sighs) Some bad luck on the way.
2: Did you really leave Corvat, sleeper? Or are you still standing there waiting for the next?
0: As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash r-e-a-l-m now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it.
1: I open my eyes and stick my fingers in my mouth. It hurts to move my body, but when I throw up and all the beer comes out, I feel a little better immediately. A lot of the poison, or whatever it was, already found a way into my system, but hopefully this mitigates the paralysis a bit. With all the power I can muster, I pull myself up against the tree and slowly try to make my way into the forest. The ground moves under my feet like I'm on a boat, and the trees morph into geometric patterns made of wood and leaves but I have to keep going. The gardener's number one soldier is coming to look for me at that party. So the party is where I very much shouldn't be anymore. As I make my way into the forest, I look over my shoulder to make sure I'm not being followed, to make sure no one saw me walk away. But then I freeze. Is this because of the drugs? It must be. I take a deep breath and rub my eyes. I try to focus, I try to stop everything from shifting in and out of trippiness. If my eyes don't deceive me, a tiny white car, a beat up car, just drove onto the field and it's coming my way. It's hard to see, but it seems very much like the car Kim and I used to see at BBU. The car that belonged to the guy we called the Creeper, who'd hang out at the parking lot each Tuesday and then leave without going into the restaurant the one that haunted me in my dreams. I run. The thought of the gardener's number one soldier being the creeper, the thought of that guy coming here to take me, releases a batch of adrenaline that gives me the strength to run, really run. The forest around me is still shifting into all kinds of alien shapes. So I run into branches and trees. I fall into wet leaves and have to get back up, but I keep running. When I look behind me, I see the white car is coming straight for me, but he can't drive into the forest. So I just have to keep going. I start to really gain momentum, but then, then there is light. The forest disappears in an instant. I've left the world and I'm now running in a vacuum, a vast white nothing. Like that one room in the matrix where they get all the guns. I hit a tree and fall backward to the ground. My nose hurts bad. It hurts so bad that I lose all orientation. I'm having trouble getting back up. I can hear the car engine turning off and I can hear someone opening the door and getting out. The creeper must have turned on his high beams to find me and flooded the forest with white light. I have to get up. He's coming.
2: You have to get up. He's coming. I can't. I'm really trying.
1: My face hurts. Get the grip.
2: Just stand up and run. You'll lose him in the dark forest. All you have to do is run.
1: I open my eyes and the forest is back. All the trees are bathed in light like a mist. I can see the stars between the branches. And then I hear his footsteps in the fallen leaves. He's really close. I strain to look up, and there's a thin figure in the white light. He says nothing. He just looks at me, with his creepy eyes so close together that they look like the infinity symbol. His thin, long face is tilted a bit, as if he's trying to figure out what I am. And on his left cheek, there's a port wine stain. It glows red like a ruby. It glows like the eye of a synthetic being from a place we shouldn't know.